What's up, hybrids? Welcome back to another episode of the Phantom Hybrid Podcast. This is Hanako, and I'm here with Casey, and we are discussing the third episode of The Walking Dead Season 11. And this episode is aptly titled Hunted. And boy, oh boy. Man. Girl. There were so many scare moments in this episode for me. I was like, oh, oh, oh. I told you. I feel like... Watching this new season, I feel like I'm watching back-to-back horror movies. Yes. That's the feel I'm getting from it. I'm not mad at it. (laughs) I'm not mad at it because it's not as bad because, like I said, I don't really do horror that much anymore. As I've gotten older, my tolerance for certain things just, yeah. mm -mm. So I can't really do horror because I'm one of those people, I have a very vivid imagination. So whatever I see on the screen... I actually dream about that stuff. Like I would literally replay the movie or the TV show in my head while I sleep, but I'll, but you like, I'm in it sometimes. So I don't do a lot of horror, (laughs) but of course it's walking dead. So I have to do walking dead, but yeah, y'all, I don't know what y'all doing. I mean, keep doing it, but I don't know what y'all doing. Cause yeah, I'm finding myself like, it took me almost an hour and a half to watch this episode. Why? Because I had to keep pausing like, okay, all right, get it together. I was like, y'all can't keep scaring me like this. Y'all can't keep jumping when Megan was walking through the mall. Speaking of which, shout out to South Lake Mall right up the street from my house. That's where they filmed it. I actually drove around the mall right before they started filming. So it's like I was there when they first started setting up stuff. So it's really surreal to see what it started as and then what it ended up as. But when she was running in that mall and she was kind of going around the corners and I was just like, I was expecting somebody to show up. And when that Ravager finally showed up behind her, girl, I was like, I said, y'all can't be stressing me out. I'm not about to have no heart problems over here fucking with The Walking Dead. We just not. That's that old scary movie thing where you turn the light on and they when she flicked the lighter and he was behind her. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Because at first the walker scared the shit out of me when when she lost her flashlight. That first Mm -hmm. one. And so then when she you know going up more listening, going up more listening, and then she turned that damn lighter on. He was behind. I was like, oh my lord, I cannot take it. But see, the thing is, I saw him like creeping up behind her even before she turned the light on. Did you? Yeah. I missed it. Because I was like, is that, I was like, is that a ravager coming up? I was like, oh, Maggie, turn around, Maggie, turn around, Maggie, turn around. Because she had literally just shown us, the viewers, how unstable those rails were. Like literally she, she knocked the walker over it. And it fell down, you know, down right. the staircase. So we had just seen this. So I was like, no. if he pushes her. Now I got to look. <laughs> it was stressing me so much in this episode, so much. But let's start at the top because yeah. you got to watch the episode before I did. Now, I actually stayed up the night before trying to, you know, I was like, okay, I'm gonna watch it when it first comes out. And I keep forgetting that it doesn't come out exactly at midnight because they wait until 3 a.m. That way, the people on the West Coast can watch it at the same time as us, which that sucks for y'all. Then nobody tell y'all to live on the West Coast. But anyway, um, so I fell asleep. You messaged me 
Sunday morning, like, have you watched it yet? I was like, no, I'm getting ready to watch it now. You were like, girl, the first five minutes, I was like, is it that bad? And then I remember where we left off in the last episode. And I was yeah. like, oh, it's some shit about to go down. I was like, some people about yeah. to die. Now, I knew it wasn't going to be any of our people, but still, I kind of like Maggie's people. Yeah. And the fact that all of these people who were on this mission with her, none of her people made it out. None of her people made it out. I was like, okay, well, I'm glad it's none of our people. Of course, we don't know where Daryl is yet, but we know they're not killing Daryl, so he's safe. Mm -hmm. But none of her people made it out. So, you know, that's about to weigh heavily on her too, even though, you know, in the last episode, she was talking about how she had lost part of herself and, you know, how she had to adjust dealing with this new world. And, you know, when the whole thing with Gage went down, it almost looked like, okay, Maggie was kind of unfeeling. And I know she had to kind of maybe give off that aura so that she can get done what she needed to get done. Mm-hmm. But we saw in this episode, Maggie ain't as unaffected as she wants everybody to believe. Right. But this episode, starting at the beginning, man. So we pick up where we left off at the end of the last episode with our group being attacked by the Ravagers. And there is so much chaos. Everybody is running around. People are fighting. People are getting stabbed, shot with arrows and all this other stuff. Daryl had a near miss. Maggie's person, Cole, the uh, long haired guy, he's dead. Mm -hmm. Duncan got hit with like three knives. It it took a lot to take that big dude down. Yeah, they knew one wasn't going to make it work. Right. Gabriel had the side of his neck. Okay, so. I know I was kind of, you know, I had some words about Gabriel in the last episode, but that don't mean I want him to die. Right. So when that person slashed his throat, when I tell you I want to come through this TV screen, like, hold up now. You can't touch Gabriel. Gabriel done fought to get to where he is now. You cannot touch him. Girl, there was so much going on in this scene. And then I really liked the way that they showcased Maggie in this scene because she's on her knees and it's almost like for her, everything is moving in fast motion or rather it's moving in normal time. But at the same time, I feel like she was looking at it in slow motion as well. Just the way that they were kind of panning the camera around her Mm -hmm. with this glow, which Mm -hmm. was really weird. It it, it had her kind of ethereal like, and I was like, okay, Maggie can't be injured or gravely injured and watching this go down. I don't think that's what this is. But of course, we just see that she's kind of it's like one of those things where she sees her whole world falling apart in front of her after everything they just went through in the tunnels to try to get everybody through safely. This is what they walk into. Right. And there's just so much going on. Daryl and dog take off after one of the ravagers. Maggie is there in the clearing by herself for a moment. And she's, like I said, she's looking around and there's one sneaking up behind her and she has picked up Elijah's, one of his pickaxe. And she turns around and throws that thing and it lands in the tree right near the dude. And he looks. And then when he turns around, she is gone. I was like, oh, "Oh, Maggie picking up some ghost skills here. 
But the way them ravagers were snatching, the way they snatched up Elijah, put that rope behind him, and he was gone. That's why I said the first five minutes when I sent you that message, I was like, oh my. Like they were snatching folks out the air. And then when she Girl. she was left standing there all by herself and nobody, where did everybody go? Like everybody gone. Everybody gone. Like not even no bodies is laying around. That's why I sent you that message. Like, have you seen this? The way they filmed that and the way that when, when, when it comes back to Maggie and she's all by herself and she's looking around and no one is there, no one. Not, no not, not nobody laying there wounded, nothing. Right. Except for that person who almost got his face snatched when she threw that axe. And as soon as he turned to look at it, she was gone. She was Man. gone. I was like, wait, what? What are we? Yeah, that whole thing was interesting. And then she picks up, we see her walking through the parking lot of an abandoned mall. Like I said, that's South Lake Mall to us. And she goes into this place. And again, I'm she's just by herself. And she sneaks into this place. She starts setting traps just in case someone follows her. And somehow they still got in, you know, and I'm sure it's a mall. So they probably came in through another entrance. They probably had even maybe used that place. Right. But everything that went down in that mall with, you know, we discussed it early on in the episode. We were just like, okay, let's get this out the way. The jump scares, her going through the corridors and going through the stairwell, hearing the walker, but not actually seeing where it came from or where it was coming from. And then her going up the staircase and then, you know, kind of putting the flashlight down so she could see down into the stairwell. I was so expecting for an arrow to come up at her or I was just. After that episode, I was just at this point, I'm I'm just expecting anything. I really thought she was going to look down and there was going to be a whole bunch of ravagers like just coming up the staircase behind her. That's just what I was expecting. I was like, OK, y'all giving me too many horror movie vibes. And I'm thinking like the screen person is going to come around with his little mask around the corner and just, oh, I was just mm-mm, mm-mm. it's too much. It's too much. But then, like you said, one of them sneaks up behind her. She fights him and she actually knocks him over the rail. So bitty bye to him. I was like, okay. Bye bye. And then you see her standing there because they have now made it up a few more flights. You hear her see Mm -hmm. her standing there waiting for the thud. (laughs) Right. When he's gonna hit the ground, she's like, oh there you go. (laughs) Like, I want to make sure he's dead. Like, he can't come back up the stairs after me. That part. Because, you know, the movies that we tend to watch, you know, somebody would have grabbed hold of a rail, been able to, like, lift themselves over, came back after her. But, you know, this this echoes. uh, This is going to sound real weird. This echoes real life a little bit more. Yeah. And it's weird because we're talking about a zombie apocalypse. So. But she makes her way into a part of the mall where, you know, there's like a couple of things that have been left behind, like some mannequins, I think a desk Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And as she's walking, she comes across Alden, who has also sought refuge in the mall. 
And then as they come across each other, seeing that, okay, it's a friendly face, they get attacked by two other ravagers. And I mean, they are fighting it out. You know, Alden gets attacked. Then somebody comes after Maggie and Maggie is quick on her feet. I'm noticing that she thinks quickly, like, I don't know what kind of training she's been doing, but she's been dodging some very, very close calls. But the one thing I don't like about these two Ravagers, they have both of Elijah's, I don't even know what you call them. They're not a pickaxe, but you know, his, little, his um, pussy thingies. Yes, That's whatever what they're, they're called. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, the funny thing is, I'm going to remember what they're called after this episode, but I just Absolutely. can't think about it right now. Absolutely. So that bothered me because that maybe means that Elijah is dead as well. And the one thing, one thing I don't like about this show is that they introduce characters to us and they, and I, I know that's probably what the nature is supposed to be because this is what probably happens in these kinds of circumstances in wartime. And, you know, when you're in an area that's been ravaged and random people can come together, partner up to kind of survive and you get to know these people and then they just snatch them away from you. Like Elijah has so much potential coming into the season because everybody was like, hold, hold up. Who is the masked ninja dude? And now it looks like he might be gone because these two ravagers have, they each have one of his weapons. He ain't gone. I hope not. It ain't that easy. I know. But as the uh, the Ravager that's fighting Maggie gets ready to push this thing into her, she is able to kind of kick him off of her. She grabs a bottle that's kind of laying a little bit away from her. She breaks it and then she digs it in his head. And even as he's injured, he's trying to lift up one more time so that he can try to stab her. And here comes Megan from the back. Didn't I tell you in the last episode he was going to save her? He's going to save her. Absolutely. Have to. Yeah. I mean, I think at this point, it's just one of those things where, okay, lesser of two evils. I would rather deal with her than I would rather deal with them. And he says as much later on in this scene, because after he saves her, they realize that Alden is hurt. And as they go to try to help him, they realize that there's something about to be set off. I thought it was a bomb at first. Girl, when I tell you that thing went off, I started screaming on my couch like, Alden, no, no, what the fuck? Then I realized it was it was a smoke bomb. I was like, yeah. oh, okay, he's not yeah. dead. Because I'm just, I'm not ready to say goodbye to any of them at this point. It's too early in right. the season. We have 24 episodes. Give us at least a little bit more, um, I, I don't know. Give us one or two more episodes before you completely yank the rug from under us. <laughs> we already know we're going to lose people. Like, it's going to suck. Because, you know, we find towards the end of this episode that that may happen, but, you know, we'll get there. Right. But as the smoke clears, we see Negan, Megan, and Alden. And of course, Alden is hurt, has been stabbed, looks like a couple of times in his stomach. And this is the beginning of where I said we see that Maggie's not as unaffected as she claims. Because if you think about it, you know Alden is hurt, probably gravely. Yet she still makes the decision that, okay, we need to pick him up and take him. We need to leave. And Negan is like wait, are you still talking about we keep on going? And she's like, yes, we need to get that food back to Alexandra. And he's like, 
even Negan has his stopping point. Right. And he's like, these people are crazy. They just showed you that they're crazy. And you still want to go fight them? And she's like, look, we need that food for Alexandria. You got a better plan? And he's just looking at her. She's like, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, now this time he don't. <laughs> right. And the thing is, it's not, it's not even combative. Like, he's trying to be, I won't say the reasonable well yeah he's trying to be the reasonable voice and just like he said he said i know theatrics these people just told us exactly how insane they are we can't be on the road we can't be on any road that they would use and she was like well you tell me a plan that doesn't starve us all and he's just there and he tells her i am on your side maggie and then she's like okay then help me with him because again negan You know, we've talked about this. We've been going back and forth about the whole morality issue when it comes to Negan and what he did and how Maggie is reacting to him and everything else. So one of the things that made Negan a good leader, I won't say he was great, but again, he had thousands of people in his community. And for the most part, he kept them safe because he had rules and he enforced those rules. Okay. And one of the things about Negan is sometimes you have to sacrifice in order to keep things moving along, in order to keep things going. And I think that's one of the things that we we slowly start to learn as we see him and Maggie kind of go back and forth a little bit more. Negan's whole thing was, and, and Alden says this later on in the episode when they're talking, his whole thing was, yeah, we had to get shit done. Now, if I had to kill one person to make a point, to get everything done, to get everybody to fall in line, then that's what I did. Mm -hmm. And again, we can sit here and talk morals and ethics and right or wrong all we want to. The rules are going to change somewhat slightly when you're in the situations that they are in, especially considering you have to think about it. Laura was there with Negan the whole time. And if you remember the Here's Negan episode, Laura's father was the doctor that had the mobile medical unit that Negan was trying to get the chemotherapy from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in that episode, we saw that there were some bad people. They captured Negan. They found out where the doctor was. They took him. They beat him. We can only imagine what they did to Laura because you could kind of hear a little bit of it on the trailer when Negan left to go try to take the chemotherapy medicine to Lucille. You know, we could hear what was going on, whether she was just being beaten, whether she was being raped, whatever the case may be. Now, at some point he did come back after Lucille died because he wanted to kill the person who kept him from getting the medicine to her. And that's where we kind of started to see the shift from him. But Whatever he had to do at that point, we know Laura stayed with him and it didn't look like she stayed with him like she was being forced to stay with him. Mm -hmm. So at some point, I'm assuming and and we kind of get a little bit of the backstory throughout the last few seasons. But we know that there was another group that was in charge of the sanctuary and basically Negan had to fight the leader of the group in order to become the leader of the saviors. So there are some leadership qualities in him. He knows how to make decisions that will benefit the larger group. Yeah. The thing is, Maggie knows how to do that too. And it's almost like their roles have kind of reversed 
And that's not saying that Negan is becoming a good person and Maggie is becoming a bad person. No, it's just that now we're being put in the position where we see they are two sides of the same coin in some ways. Like there are times you have to make really, really crappy decisions in order to keep everybody safe. That's what Maggie had to do with Gage. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, Alden is a resource. And that's one of the things, you know, I was going back looking at some of the clips from Negan, especially after last week's episode, we were talking about the confessions with him and Father Gabriel. One of the things Negan has always said is people are a resource. Negan doesn't kill people needlessly because people are a resource to him. Right. I think Maggie has a little bit of the same thought process, if not in the same way, you know, because Gage would have been a drain on them. He had already proved that he was a coward. (laughs) He had already proved that he would have left them to die if given the chance, if, you know, if it came to a choice, like if either one of them was on the other side of that wall or that door, he would have left them too. He probably would have left them too. But the difference is he would have left somebody that actually contributed to the survival of the group. Right. And he was not that. And I understand 100% why Maggie made the decision that she did. Was it pretty? No. Was it necessary? Probably. Right. Same thing here with Alden. She's not willing to leave him behind because Alden has contributed. Even, you, I mean, remember, Alden used to be a savior. He was one right. of the people when they got captured and was brought to Hilltop He was the one that was kind of pleading with Maggie and Maggie was very nasty to him at that time. And she fought him every step of the way. Mm -hmm. He was trying to broker peace between his group of saviors and her people. Mm -hmm. And even when she was mean to him, when she was nasty to him and she had every right to be at that point, he still didn't change. And I think she eventually saw that in him. And as we've seen Alden kind of grow with the community, he is a resource. She can't just leave him behind like that. But yeah, so Maggie's going to have to make a decision with Alden because we see he is hurt and we see that it's not a simple injury because later on they get cornered by some walkers. Now Alden, here's the thing, he can still fight, but Mm -hmm. we see that at some point she's going to have to make a decision. But before we get to those kind of tough things, I have to say, best part of the episode, we finally got to see the kids interact. That was the best part of the episode. And ain't they smart? They know what the hell going on. Girl, they conversation. I was like, okay, for the adult conversation by the children. But here's (laughs) the thing, too. It's not even necessarily an adult conversation. They were kids talking like kids. Because think about it. When you were a kid... And your mom told you this, that, and the other. You go to your friends. Man, my mama make me sick. She keep telling me da, 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 da. She don't know what she talking about. Because, of course, as seven, eight, ten-year-olds, we know everything, right? Right. But just being able to see Judith and RJ and Herschel and Gracie having fun being kids. They're sitting there playing card games. Herschel is talking. I was so glad to hear more than two words come out of his (laughs) mouth. I was like, finally, we're getting some conversation between them. We get to hear RJ talk. A little bit. Yeah, it was fun. But yeah, they they did have a conversation where, you know, Herschel asked Judith, 
He says, do you ever worry about your mom when she goes away? And Judith is like, I'm used to it. She says, grownups are always running off doing things. And then she makes these little funny, promise to see you soon. Love you. Right. <laughs> when I say this, this part of the episode made me so happy. But then Herschel, <laughs> he says, that's the kind of stuff they used to say in the olden times, right? I was like, excuse me, sir. We are not that old. I understand this is the only world that you've known, but this apocalypse You're is right. only 10 years old. <laughs> the olden days. Back, back in when my mom was a kid. <laughs> right. Four score and seven years ago. <laughs> right. We are not that old, boo. But you do see a little bit more maturity with Herschel because you have to think about it. He's been with Maggie this whole time. So chances are he's had to see a lot of the stuff that she's had to do, especially when you think about the story that she told about the guy. I mean, I'm pretty sure there might not have been a very good way for her to keep that from him. So, you know, we get a little wisdom from him. You know, they can't promise it now, but they say it anyways. And Judah says, they just don't want us to think they're not coming back. It's supposed to make us feel better. He says, they say it to make themselves feel better. I was like, oh, listen to the, ah, right. Tell me how you really feel. (laughs) Right, right. Listen to the wisdom coming from young Glenn. But then um, Judah says, my mom always comes back. And RJ's like, yeah. So I feel like that's a little bit of foreshadowing. We get Michonne back this season. Damn it. They will not make her say something like that and then not bring Michonne back. I told you, I'm looking for every little thing in this season. Like, oh, somebody picked up a pencil. What does that mean? (laughs) Now, you know, no one will be more excited than me if Michonne comes back. Of course. No one. I'm going to have to spoil that episode for you if you don't watch it. And I see that back there. Girl, I will probably hear you <laughs> screaming from your house. You, Casey will. and I live like seven miles from each other. So yeah, I will probably hear you <laughs> scream from your house. You definitely will. Like, oh my God, she's I'm be like, oh, let me go watch this episode. Yeah, you would it would be mandatory. We we would have to talk about it that mm-hmm. now. Oh like, yeah, definitely. You know definitely. It. Like, come on, get on this podcast. Let's go, let's go. Right. Let's go. But back in Alexandria, they're still trying to fix the wall. And Carol has apparently been out because they are, or Carol and Kelly, I should say, they've been out. I'm assuming they've been out looking for Connie still, but also their horses have run off. I'm pretty sure the horses probably were let go by Alpha and their group when they, you know, when they knocked down the walls, there was nothing holding them in. So Aaron kind of, him and Carol have a little bit of a, I will say an argument. There's a little bit of a disagreement because she was supposed to be there helping them rebuild the wall and she prioritized Mm -hmm. other things. And so you see them having kind of a discussion about it, about what's important and what's not. And you can see Carol is, she looks like she is barely holding on at this point. You know, everybody's starving. There's no food. The walls are down. And then thinking about how much time she's been spending with Kelly, she's looking for Connie because she still feels guilty. Yep. And you can tell Kelly doesn't hold anything against yep. her. She just wants her still, 
I think she's probably still going to be, she's going to be unsure of herself and of where she fits in with the community until she has some closure on that front. I feel whether they find Connie alive or whether they find Connie dead. I just think at this point she needs that closure so that she can move forward and figure out what's going to happen with her relationship with Daryl, because she and Daryl, again, they're not really speaking to each other right now. Mm-hmm. Daryl is still pissed. Cause you know, we know it had a happy yet, but Connie was kind of sort of on the way to becoming the boo thing. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> And you have my boot thing trapped in the cave in. Yeah, I can hear the Carol and Daryl people now. No, but I I like the idea of Daryl with Connie. Something different. I mean, considering where we met Daryl and what he was like when we met him and the person he is now, I think Connie would be a good fit for him. Mm-hmm. I do, but I also think that if, as you say, we think one of the uh, Ravagers is someone from his past, Mm-hmm. We're going to see. Because I think, I personally think if one of them is Leah, Daryl has. Because uh, I, I, do we know how much time has passed from the time? It, has it been the whole time? Because it was right after Rick passed that, or Rick left, that he met her. So how much time has it's, been? It's been some it's years. Been some years. Okay. It's been a few years. Okay. Because I th- I think from the time that Rick disappeared to the time Daryl met Leah, if I remember the way the timeline kind of counted down in that episode, probably about a year and a half. Okay. And then she left. He came back to Alexandria. And then, right. I mean, Michonne was still pregnant at that time and she had just had RJ. So it has to have been about four or five years because I think RJ at this point is about five. Right. Okay, so yeah, so, so then if she does so happen to be, it's that's still unresolved issues right there. So that that is going to be a very interesting unfolding when that finally happens, if it's revealed to be her. It's going to be interesting, but at the same time, I don't think it will affect much simply because we see what the Ravagers do to people. And just from what Maggie describes... If she's following in with those type of people and that's what she's doing, yeah, Daryl ain't gonna want to fuck with her. You think so? Like you literally come in, mm, you come in the middle of the night, you kill people while they're sleeping, you take all of their things, you string them up in the trees and leave them there for other people to find. That's a whole different level of sadistic. That's the kind of behavior that you would expect from people like maybe the claimers, Maybe not to that extreme, but they were kind of on that level. And you saw how Daryl was when he right. was with them. Like he didn't want to be with them. But at it that point, you know, yeah. they had been split up from everybody. He had lost Beth. He just didn't have nothing else, nowhere else to go because he didn't know who was still alive from the prison. Right. I guess that, yeah, I guess that makes sense. But yeah, if he has a choice and even if she has a plausible explanation, like, okay, well, they made me be with them or else they were going to kill me. Okay. I can understand that. But still it's like, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't see that being as meaningful a relationship as these other people, because he's had years with some of these other people. Even at this point, I think Connie and her crew have been there for maybe a year, maybe a little bit over a year. And we see that there is a little bit of 
if not even romance, there is a friendship there. There's a lot of trust there. I mean, think about it. When Daryl was going to the kingdom, he left dog with Connie. He was like, yeah, can you watch my dog for me? With no hesitation, you know? And I think part of that is because when Lydia ran away, Lydia and Henry, rather, when they ran away and Daryl was going to look for them, she was the only one that volunteered to go with him. And when he tried to refuse, she asserted herself. She was like, no, I'm going. (laughs) And for someone to come from Daryl's background, Daryl probably didn't have a lot of experience with non-speaking people or anyone in that community. You know, and even if he did, he probably wouldn't have paid her no kind of attention back then because she's a black woman. Think about who his brother was. And you know, Merle had to get that attitude from somewhere, most likely their father. Think about the way Daryl described his father in that episode where him, right. he and Beth found that abandoned house. His father right. was straight redneck. So this would have never crossed Daryl's radar. So that kind of shows you also his growth and then also him taking the time to learn how to sign <laughs> in a zombie apocalypse. Like, how do you even... right? You know, you're right. But for him to care enough to do that, because I don't really see too many other people sign to her. I think I've seen Carol sign to her a little bit, but you don't really see that with other people because you don't see her interact with a lot of the other people. When she does, she's always writing and they're speaking because she can read lips. So just the fact that he's taking that kind of effort with her. Yeah, I think that the potential is there. Um, Leah. I don't know. I just, I feel like she was good for him in the place where he was at that time because he was in a hopeless place. He was kind of ready to give up. He didn't want to go back to Alexandria because that was too painful for him to be around people who he associated with Rick. So I think she was good for him at that time. But as far as something long lasting, I mean, as long lasting as you can have in this type of world, I just don't think that, I just don't think she's the end game. I would have to put that with either Connie or Carol. And with Carol, I don't have an objection to them being together. I just really don't think it makes a lot of sense given everything that they have been through, especially the falling outs. They always felt more like best friends, siblings to me. Like they took care of each other in that way. Now, if I thought about it hard enough. Remember, people said the same thing about Rick and Michelle. Like, nah, they more, you know, they never looked at them as a romantic couple. They always, even, you know, their interactions, sometimes people were like, them in a relationship out you know they they weren't they they didn't see man please no, I, <laughs> I don't know what they were looking at because even when I went back last summer when this pandemic started I went back and started the entire series from the beginning and I went back and watched because it had been a while since I watched like the earlier episodes but I felt like there's always been something between them and then especially really? after, yeah you know there was a lot of I felt like there was a lot of respect between the two. Yeah. And then watching her with Carl and her building that friendship with him and seeing how they interacted with each other. I think Rick probably saw it, but didn't think about it. Mm -hmm. 
You know what I'm saying? Because I really don't think Rick was looking for any kind of romance. And then, of course, when they get to Alexandria and he meets um, Jesse. Yeah. And when they got to Alexandria, he meets Jesse. That's familiar to him. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So because even though I never took Rick as the redneck type, but Rick lived in a small town. I mean, if you look at the episode where we saw Lori picking Carl up from school, most of those kids were white. So they probably lived in a majority white neighborhood. He probably never even thought about, oh, let me hook up with this sister. You know okay. okay. <laughs> but yeah, I, I always... I always felt that with them, but I mean, I know we're getting off the topic, but yeah, I always felt that with them, but I mean, we'll see which way it goes with Daryl because yes, I do believe that Leah is one of the ravagers that might even be the ravager that he chased in the woods. I mean, dog went after, you know, whoever that person was. So maybe we'll get that reveal sooner rather than later. And they can kind of put that to rest to everybody i almost want to go to imdb and see if there's anything on there but i'm like nope i'm not gonna do it i'm not gonna do it i'm not gonna do it so right but going back to what we were originally talking about with carol in this episode again you get to see a little bit more of the bonding with magna and carol and kelly and even rosita And I like Mm -hmm. seeing this because you don't get to see that a lot with everything going on. I like the fact that they are focusing more on those things in this season because, yes, the community has been devastated. They're trying to rebuild and everybody is kind of focused on all this. But to kind of see that, okay, we can't rebuild the big things if we don't start rebuilding the small things. So seeing Magna and Kelly kind of talking and Magna is you know, one of the things about Magna, Magna was very feral when we first met her. And to see her now, you can see a little bit more of a softness about her. Like she's still tough, but you can see a nurturing about her, like when it comes to Kelly. And then even in the episode when Carol is so focused on trying to find the remainder of the horses, because as they're looking for them, they find some of their horses and those horses, girl, like when butcher those couldn't have been because they don't look like they were devoured by by walkers they look like they were cut Mm -hmm. okay i just want to make sure i I would but why would they cut up the horses what 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 sense does that make well because the horses will provide what the community needs getting them food. Like Carol said, we need the horses in order to cart heavier pieces for the wall because they can't do that on manpower alone right now, especially considering the fact that everybody is starving. So those horses are resource. And how do you cut down a community? You start with the resources. Right. Okay. You know, you make them so weak, not just by starving, but as everybody is starving, they're going to start fighting. There's going to be some discontent. When you start fighting amongst each other, you're not looking for the outside intruders. Right. You're too busy focused on what's going on on the inside. That's right. the quickest way to break down a community. That's true. You know, if you were going to come in and take it, which I don't know why the Ravagers would even need to come and take it because they've already taken Meridian. Meridian has food, water. Right. It's 
supplies. At this point, they're just trying to hold on to it. Right. So at this point, it's kind of like, why are y'all even bothering? But you know how it is with some of these people, them having what they have is not enough. They've got to go take from someone else. Unfortunately, that is human nature. Mm-hmm. And it's like one of the big things about this show. We've seen that with a lot of different antagonists. But I like seeing the relationship building within the women. And then you see them really respecting each other enough to talk to each other when they don't agree with each other. Like it used to be, especially with Rosita, like being a mama has made Rosita a lot. um, (laughs) I won't say nicer because she's always been a bit nice. She just has that tough exterior. But I don't know. There's something about her and Magna that I see, like I said, this whole nurturing thing, we don't get to see enough of it in this show because they're always fighting, 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 fighting. But you get to see that that kind of attitude and that kind of behavior towards each other is going to go a long way when it comes time to fight, when it comes time to rebuild, because they will have that trust for each other. They will have that compassion for each other. They will have that care for each other to make sure that everybody's taken care of. And it's not just a, you know, every man for himself type of thing. Right. And they've been together so long at this point too, you know, everybody knows everybody and, you know, right. that, and they, they still think of each other as family. Yeah. Like, so even when you're, you fight with your family or argue with your family or, you know, whatever, at the end of the day, y'all all have one common goal and y'all still family. Yeah. But I think it too, it was, it was kind of sad when Magna approached Carol and she was like, I need you to give it up. Stop giving Kelly hope. And Carol was like, you know, I would have thought you wanted to find Connie alive. And I think at this point, Magnus, she kind of feels like, okay, if she hasn't shown up by now, she's not going to show up. I mean, think about it. They've gone through a whole spring. They've gone through a winter because when Magna came in, when they figured out she was alive, she came in with the horde that the Whisperers unleashed on Hilltop early on. So that was way before the car. That was way before the carnival, way before the carnival, way before the winter blizzard where they had to escape. You know, they had to leave kingdom behind. And yeah, so it's been at least a year. Connie has been gone for a long time. Oh yeah, it has been a long time. So I can understand Magna's attitude. Like, look, it's been this long. If she was alive, she would have found her way to us. It's not like Connie didn't know where Alexandria was. No, but in the same vein, same thing happened to Rick. Same thing. Why he ain't found home yet. True. But we don't know what's going on with Rick. We know that he was alive when he got on that helicopter. That does not necessarily mean he's alive now. We know he was alive on that boat that Michonne found his little phone and his boots. Come on now. You know, we know. I know. I mean, I know. We I know. know. They don't know. I know. I'm just so. ready for things to start happening. I mean, they are happening, but you know, right. you feel like because we at the end, like, you, you want to flip to the last page of the, of the book, you know, to see how it ends, like read the mm-hmm. ha- happily ever after last page. I mean, we know that's not all of it's not going to be happily ever after, but, you know, we can hope. Mm-hmm. Oh, and speaking of Rosita, mm-hmm. her and her dream about Abraham. Girl, okay, so, you know, I was like, oh, <laughs> damn. 
he comes to me in my dream and he's trying to tell me something. <laughs> you know, I need to see if this was one of the episodes Michael Cutlass directed because he's supposed to be directing, I think maybe one or two of the episodes this uh-huh. season. But yeah, so I wonder if this is one of the episodes that Michael Cutlass directed. That would be funny. Like you're giving a nod to yourself in your episode. (laughs) I don't know. It's kind of, that kind of worries me because she's dreaming about him. And she says that he's trying to warn her about something, but she doesn't know what it is. And she says every time that she thinks she's going to find out, he gets shot in the head. And like Carol says, Carol's like, that's dark. But what does it mean? Again, I'm looking for all the little clues now. So they can't just be randomly bringing up people like, yeah, we know Michonne is still technically a big part of the show because her kids are there. But for Judith to speak about her and say, yeah, my mom always comes back. That's not coincidence. For Rosita to mention Abraham in this episode after like she almost never spoke of Abraham after Sasha died. Because really, who would she talk to about Abraham? Nobody. So the fact that she mentioned him in this episode, you know, we wondered if we would see some flashbacks or something like that with some of the characters before the end of the season. He may come to her in a dream sequence. Like we may actually see one of her dreams act out. I mean. But, you know, also mini baby spoiler only because I saw it somewhere. It might have been on comic book. website but Mm -hmm. they showed a picture of rosita in one of the commonwealth suits so i don't know what that means but there was a picture of her remember seeing that picture yes there's a picture of her in a commonwealth suit so you're right not sure if that you know has something to do with it you know her moving on to commonwealth okay but some kind of way she ends up there because remember it, it was a long ass trip for them to get there yeah so some kind of way you know rosita i guess is going to leave or maybe the communities know. merge or something because i don't think rosita would leave alexandria i don't know because so. coco's there father gabriel's there she's not just gonna Mm-mm. you know yeah no I don't think she's and you know she was she's always been that like you say that rebellious one because remember when she tried to shoot Negan's ass so you know she ain't just you know gonna sit back and sit by while stuff is happening right so some something is going to happen to cause them to to go hmm yeah something to think about I completely forgot about her being in the commonwealth suit okay Okay, see, now yeah. I'm going to have to buy yeah. it in my hands so I don't go looking for spoilers. Right, right. But you know what? That one totally popped up on me. I don't, I don't even remember. I'm, it might have been you why I saw it. might have been you. Oh, because I, yeah. yeah, because I probably posted some of the photos that they released earlier. But uh, look, no, while, okay, we're speaking, uh, <laughs> while we're speaking of Rosita and Gabriel, we need to talk about Gabriel. Ooh, Mm, mm, mm. this ain't the man that was on the rock girl no it is not from the rock is gone he is gone long gone gabriel's one of the people that got separated during that brawl and he has been we know that like his neck was sliced but it doesn't appear to have been a very deep cut like it may have been superficial but he did get 
stabbed in the leg. And there's one of the ravagers that he sees limping away from him. And so he takes this thing out of his leg and he follows this dude. And the guy has left his mask in the ground. That mask looked creepy. That's hell. But Father Gabriel <laughs> goes after this dude. And I mean, he's limping around. Now, here's my thing. You just had this weapon in your leg and you pull it out. You ain't tied it off. You ain't did nothing to staunch the bleeding. Gabriel, I'm going to need you to do better. No, 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 no. What? It may have clotted. Remember, he got stabbed that night. It is now morning. So it may have had time to clot around, you know. But if he takes that out, that's going to restart the bleeding. <laughs> Maybe after he does. I mean, I see what you were doing there. I see what you was doing there. <laughs> Yeah, no, he he should have had that tied off. He should have had that tied off. I was trying to give, I was trying to get it there. But you know, later on in the episode, when we come to those two, Father Gabriel finds the guy, and it's so, it's so weird seeing these people who randomly just kill people for sport, for fun, for survival, whatever the case may be. But he comes up to this guy and the dude is praying. And I was like, why? It always got to be somebody who has this deep faith in God that turns out to be the crazy one. You done killed 17 million people. Right. Now, oh, now you want some forgiveness. Right. And so this guy is leaning up against the tree trunk and apparently somebody has taken a, a, a chunk out of his neck because he's sitting there bleeding. And he and Gabriel start to have a conversation. He said, you moved slower than I thought you would. I mean, the dude just got stabbed in the leg. What did you expect? So he starts trying to comfort Gabriel. Don't be scared. And Gabriel's like, I am not. And the guy starts talking this whole, we have been blessed and blah, blah. I was like, oh, here we go. Just kill him already. And I hate to say that. <laughs> but like Father Gabriel said, you have a funny definition of being blessed. Like you've been around here killing people. You're hanging people from trees by their ankles as, I, I don't know, totems, as warnings, whatever the case is. So this dude thinks he's blessed because Father Gabriel is the one who came for him. Like the religious man. Will you pray for me? Gabriel was looking at him out that one good eye like motherfucker. He said, you tried to kill my friends. Yes. And they tried to kill me. They tried to kill you because you were trying to kill them. And he's still going to ask Thomas and pray for me. Even your enemies deserve that much. And Father Gabriel looked like he about to bash his head in. He's like, I thought you were a man of God. And then that's when you God ain't here no more. Gabriel is like, he has come to a decision and he's looking at this guy and he says, God isn't here anymore. You know, I was done after that. I was like, but you know, Gabriel, like, oh my God, he done been through some shit though. He has, but you got to think about it. I figured that would come sometime after Sadiq was killed the way he killed Dante I knew this was coming because when he killed Dante I'm I'm surprised he has still worn his collar up until this point because he showed Dante no mercy that was a Rick killing like he learned his lesson very well that was a Rick type killing when he killed Dante so you know I know he's 
a little bit more tempered. You know, he is surrogate father or father to Coco right now. But yeah, Gabriel has been showing us now for a couple of years that he ain't with the shits. Right. He's going to do whatever <laughs> he has to do <laughs> to protect his people, to protect his community. And I think at this point, after having gone through what he has gone through, I think now he's just at the point where it's like, enough is enough. Mm-hmm. But, tired of right. But I'm like, how strong was his faith that even through all of this stuff up until this point, it took this for him to say, you know what? I'm done with God. Dude, you live right. through a zombie apocalypse, the dead rise and walk and eat your friends. If you didn't have questions at this point, <laughs> I'm just saying. Maybe. I'm, I'm just saying. But yeah, so he kills that dude. Oh, okay. In the top of the head. Right. In the top of the head. Like, hmm. And wasn't gentle gonna, about it at gonna, all. We're going to make sure you don't come back. That was one of those, God isn't here anymore. And that stab was the exclamation point on that sentence. Yes, it was. No doubt that God is not here anymore. I'm about to show you for show for show that God is not here anymore. Neither are you. What is one of Negan's nicknames for Gabriel? Isn't it Stabby Gaby or something like that? He calls him. <laughs> he always talking about that eye. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think he's earning that nickname. You know, last week he called him one eye with you and your one eyed wisdom. <laughs> Well, at least he's not calling him father, not the father anymore. <laughs> Girl. I love the way he said that, father, father not the father. <laughs> I was like, oh, nigga, you are a dick. Yes, he was. But, oh, okay. Going back to uh, Maggie Negan and Alden, because we touched on this a little bit earlier in the episode. So, of course, they've left the mall they are still trying to get to the supplies. So when they were leaving out, they heard some yelling and some shouting. Turns out Agatha and Duncan have also made it to the mall, but Duncan is gravely injured. And Duncan is the big black dude of the group. You know, the big strong person with that's mm-hmm. the teddy bear that, you know, put Hersh on his shoulders. And again, it was one of those things where I was like, y'all introduced us to a character just to kill him in the next episode. Cause Literally, Duncan and Agatha were here. What we met them was it at the beginning of episode one? And here it is, episode three, halfway through. And Duncan is dead because the Ravagers, like I said, when they attacked him in the woods, they threw like what three, four knives into his stomach. So the fact that he was even still alive at that point, I was shocked. But again, This is one of those scenes where you get to see Maggie is not as unaffected as she appears because she seems really shaken by the fact that Duncan dies. And then she has to watch Agatha die. Oh, okay. Oh my God. So of course they've left the mall. They are still trying to get to the supplies and they, you know, they see some walkers in the woods and they're trying to go around them. And there is a person tied to a tree. And this person has been, looks like, burned alive. Mm -hmm. And at the top, there is a sign with the name Judas. So that person was a traitor. Of some sort. Mm -hmm. Of some sort. But we know it was the Ravagers who did it. But 
I was trying to see like, can we tell clothes or anything? I couldn't tell anything definitive about who that person might've been. Cause I was wondering if maybe it was somebody from Maggie's group, somebody that used to be a ravager and then ended up with Maggie's group and they killed him. But I don't, I mean, I don't know, but this, this person has clearly been burned. Alive. Yeah. They get surrounded by walkers here and. Maggie is trying to help Alden because Alden is injured, but Alden is still fight. That's the thing. See, this is why Maggie is like, okay, yeah, no, we need to keep Alden. Alden is limping and fighting for his life and he is still killing walkers, mm-hmm. but they get attacked by all these walkers and Agatha, of course, her arm gets bit and they're all still fighting. Negan is trying to help Alden and he sees Maggie trying to save Agatha but Agatha, there's nothing they can do for Agatha right now unless they can get her arm off, which they're in the middle of a, a forest full <laughs> of walkers. There is no cutting that arm off. So ne- Negan has to pull Maggie away from her, which. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I was just like. <laughs> like I said, <laughs> all of Maggie's people are gone. And then after that, that's when they go and they they find a little church, an old church. And they go inside and the idea is for Alden to kind of recoup. And Alden tells Maggie, he's like, no, you got to leave me. I'm slowing you down. You got to get to the supplies. You got to get to Alexandria. And of course, Maggie doesn't want to do that because he's a vital part of Alexandria. Not only that, he's raising baby Adam, which was Gamma's sister's child the one that Alpha made her just sit in the field so that the walkers could take it because it was making too much noise. And Connie saved it. And then Earl and Tammy were raising the baby. And then, of course, Tammy got killed by Alpha. And then Earl died trying to protect the children. You know, he got injured. He knew he wasn't going to make it. So he, you know, kind of tied himself to a chair and tried to kill himself. And of course that didn't work. And then Judith ended up having to do it. But, you know, so Alden is raising this baby now. And Maggie's like, you know, your dad now, you have to be there for Adam. He's like, uh, Adam needs to be able to live. And if you guys don't go get this food, nobody's going to survive. Right. And he doesn't want to be the cause of that. So it's another hard decision that Maggie has to make. And Negan... He tries to push her into making the decision, but he's not a dick about it in this instance. Again, Negan is the type of person. He says people are a resource. Even he knows that Alden is somebody that they really can't afford to lose. But at this point, it's about Alden's survival or about Alexandria's. And they still have a ways to go. They still have ravagers that are probably coming after them. And they don't know if anybody else is left. We know Duncan is dead. We know Agatha is dead. We know Cole is dead. We don't know where Elijah is. We don't know where Daryl is at this point. They don't know that Gabe is still alive. So mm-hmm. right now it's just Negan and Maggie. Mm-hmm. The weirdest dynamic duo. Girl. <laughs> Girl. And, you know, she says to him, she was like, this comes easy to you, right? Being reckless with somebody else's life. And he's just looking at her and he's like, you still got to make a decision, which is true. Right. At the end of the day, look, when you get done talking is what he right. said. Because, <laughs> because she says, but you don't get to decide who gets to live and who gets to die anymore. And he's like, yeah, that may be true, but decision still has to be made. He's like, at this point, now you get to make that decision. 
Mm-hmm. And the one thing I don't agree with her about, she says, it's your fault. It's your fault that we're here because you destroy everything that we built. I don't think that's true. Yes, he did have to destroy the hilltop, but he had to do that in order to kill mm-hmm. Alpha. Because at the time, Alpha was the biggest threat. And then, of course, because he killed Alpha, Beta came after them and in turn destroyed Alexandria. But that wasn't all Negan's fault. They had to do something because Alpha had them living. Shit, Alpha had them living the way Negan had them living for a minute. Okay. And, And they was not trying to do that again. Right. But the thing is, Alpha was more formidable than Negan. Because Negan was at least trying to keep people alive. Alpha was not. Alpha was like, okay, you know what? We're going to walk with the dead. But the way you guys are trying to live in, that's an old way of life. You need to destroy that. So that was her whole MO. And she had thousands of walkers at her disposal. Mm -hmm. So she had to die. They had to do it in that way. And Negan, unfortunately, was the only person who was ever going to get close enough to kill her besides Lydia and we can say yeah Lydia you should have killed her whatever that's still her mom right so at the end of the day right so I understand that Maggie is upset but to lay the blame at Negan for all of this I think is not right because there are so many other factors that went into that and like Negan says to her earlier in the episode he said your friends they counted on me they trusted me you weren't here you know and it's right she wasn't there so she didn't she didn't have to live through everything that alpha put them through Mm -hmm. she didn't have to watch tara die she didn't have to watch denise die she didn't have to watch jesus and enid and sadiq and she didn't have to witness any of that and henry right but she does make the decision they are going to leave alden they leave him with some provisions they also leave him with a knife just in case and then he barricades himself in the church and Negan and Maggie, they they leave off. And I'm like, oh, this is about to get hella interesting. Hella. Those two having to survive, counting, counting on, on each, each other. other and work together, having to trust each other <sighs> so that they can get this food back to Alexandria. Yeah, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. Understatement of the year, but... They got to do what they got to do. And because even at this point, Alexandria is Negan's home too. So irregardless of, you know, the tension between him and Maggie and Maggie and how she feels because her baby is there. Like it sucks, but you got to put some of your shit to the side to, you know, for the betterment of everybody. Yeah. You want to be pissed. I mean, be mad later. Yeah. Be mad when everybody has a full belly. There you go. Because for now, like she said, it, it, you know, trying to blame him for everything is not going to work. And trying to blame him for everything ain't going to get people fed. Mm-mm. So, it, you know, you literally have to put everything, your hatred, your, your, you know, everything just off to the side for the moment. Because we are trying to make sure our community survives. Right. From these people that we know are a super threat that are super dangerous, that, you know, don't care and, and want, hell, want to kill y'all off. Yep. But you I know, like so. how, but I like how they put that little reminder about who these two are to each other when they take off, because as they come out the church, there's a walker there and Negan has a crowbar. That's his weapon. 
and he bashes the head in of this walker and then he kind of puts his arm down and the camera focuses on the blood coming off of the crowbar and Maggie's standing there looking at it and then she looks at him and then she just walks past them. So it's kind of like one of those things where it was like, oh, if you thought these two were going to be the dynamic duo, hello, reminder of what they are to each other. It was kind of right. reminiscent of Lucille right after he killed Abraham and Glenn. I was like, right. Okay. Right with the symbolism. Hey, okay. Just <laughs> like, hey, just in case you guys forgot, because I, I have seen there are some people online who I won't say that they're saying that Maggie is becoming the villain or she is the villain, but I know that there are a lot of people who have been watching these last few episodes that feel like that's what the writers are trying to do. They're trying to make Negan the good guy and Maggie the bad guy. And like I said earlier, I don't think that's the case at all. I think what they're doing is showing that everybody in this world has those two sides. Like they're two sides of the same coin. And at some point, you have to start making decisions that you never thought you were going to make because it's what's best for everyone around. And unfortunately, sometimes that might mean working together with somebody that you absolutely hate. But the thing is, is your hate for him greater than the love you have for your son and the love you have for the people back in Alexandria who are depending on you to come back with food, with water, with supplies? Does your hate for him trump that? Or can you get over that long enough to make sure that the collective survives? Now, once you get back to Alexandria, I'm sure there's probably going to be a sit down, see Jesus meeting. Like they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do. Maybe by that point, they will have worked well enough together to say, okay, you know what? I don't have to like you. I don't ever have to forgive you. But if you are willing to work for the good of the community that my child has to live in, if you are willing to do what is needed so that we all survive, then maybe I don't have to like you, but I can call a truce or I can hate you from arm's length, whatever the case is. Deal with it enough to, right. 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 Because again, people are a resource and like him or hate him, Negan knows what the fuck he's doing. And to just get rid of that based on everything that's happened is understandable, but it won't work for the greater good. Not at this point. Like I said, have that conversation again when everybody's bellies are full, when the crops are growing again, when they don't have to worry about any kind of imminent threat, when they're not worried about people with machetes and arrows just chasing them for fun. Hello. And we need to add in there that the kids made it very clear that um, horse does not taste like chicken. Yeah, I, you know, I was <laughs> just about to get to that part because that was the other thing. You know, yeah. we said you just got to chew it real fast. Oh my goodness. So we talked about Magna and Kelly, Rosita and Carol going out looking for the horses. And of course, they find some of the horses mutilated. And this is where Carol is really upset. Like the other three, they want to go back home and try the next day. And Carol's like, we can't. We have to find those horses. We'll starve if we don't. And so she she gets ready to keep going. But Magna stops her and she gives her this hug. And at first, Carol is like, I don't know what to do. And then, of course, she kind of breaks down and she hugs her. And like I said, it's, it's this kind of bonding moment with each other where it's like, OK, you know what? 
I understand what you're trying to do, but you don't have to do this alone. So they go. And at some point, they almost feel like they're about to give up. And then all of a sudden, here come the horses running across the pasture. And it was, it feels kind of cheesy to say it, but it was one of those light in a dark tunnel type moments. Like you needed to see something good for even just a moment. And they got to see that. And we got to see that. We got to feel a little bit of hope because the horses were running towards the dairy barn, which apparently they have a dairy barn in the area that they've been using. They were able to pin the horses. And when they got ready to try to lasso the horses, they realized, hey, the horses aren't running. Maybe they want to come home. Maybe those horses saw what happened to the other ones and they were like, fuck this shit. <laughs> like, take me back home where people want to pet me. Day, <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> you know, and the one thing that there is a message I think that we learned in that particular scene. And it's because Kelly tells them to put the ropes down because like she said, the horses aren't running. They trust us. And, and that was something else Magna said earlier in the episode. She was telling Kelly, do you know that horses will let you touch their nose when they trust you? So for them to go to that and they walk the horses back into Alexandria, everybody's cheering, everybody's happy. Hey, we got the horses back. Carol takes one of the horses to the barn and she lays it down and she comforts it and then she slits its throat and she captures the blood. And I know the the blood is probably for them to drink because even though we're thinking about it as, oh my God, it's disgusting. It's a good way to build up strength. That's something that we learn in all kinds of disaster movies and, and that sort of thing. But Aaron comes in when he sees what she's done And he helps her. And then, you know, like you said, the next thing we see is Judith with the horse meat and they're eating the horse meat. And Herschel's trying to tell (laughs) girl that that conversation, Herschel was like, yeah, it's not that bad. You just have to take small bites and and eat it slowly. And Judith doesn't want to do it. And, you know, I think at this point, that's when Judith realizes that, yeah, Herschel is a kid, but Herschel has been through some things. You know, because he's telling them, okay, well, this is this is what you have to do. And she's like, have you had a horse before? He was like, yeah, when we were out on the road, like he's had some hard living. And then he said, well, at least it's not spider. And they all turn and look at him and he's just looking at them like, what? You got to eat something to survive. But here's the thing that the horse scene made me think of. So there was talk in the episode about trust and how the horse shows trust and then The horses came to them, allowed them to be captured, allowed them to be led back to Alexandria. And then one of the horses was led to slaughter to feed everyone else. I kind of feel like that's an allusion to Negan and Maggie as well. Like at this point, you're going to build up trust in each other. Okay, this is what we have to do to survive. I have to trust you. You have to trust me. I have a feeling one of them is going to turn on the other. And I really have a feeling it's probably going to be Maggie. I think at the end, she's going to have her revenge. And just when Negan thinks everything is safe, everything is okay. Okay. We've got this ironed out. I think she's going to turn on him and I think she's going to kill him. I think that's what that horse scene was supposed to kind of I, I don't know. It's like, that's literally something that jumped into my head as I was rewatching the episode in the background. Like, huh, they've been talking about these horses and trust. 
and the horses let them lead them back home. And then Carol leaves one to the side and kills it so that she can feed everyone else. Yes. But still, it's like one of those things you gain the trust of this thing and then you slit its throat. There's probably something. But for me, I felt it was more Carol and Kelly. Nah. Rather than me. I didn't think, not, not the point of leading it to slaughter, but the point of trying to get her to trust her, even though she has, I guess you would call it some sort of betrayal by trying to kill the horde and causing the cave in but like magna was saying she's giving her that false hope that you know your sister is still out there because she's trying to remember when carol and kelly were in the car mm-hmm. and kelly basically told carol you know like mm-hmm. i don't blame you you know for what happened you know so it's cool but carol is still even though she's been told you know i, I forgive you you know I, I don't hold any harm or ill will towards you She's still trying to make it up to her, if you know what I mean. And it's like when when somebody does you wrong, you're like, all right, I forgave you. You know, I, I, I'm good. I have moved on. But the other person basically won't, Carol won't let Kelly move on because we're going to go back out mm-hmm. here and we're going to look. And that's why Magna is telling her, just let her mourn her. So, you know. So she can get some closure, yeah. So she can get some closure, but Carol, because in Carol's mind, I've done this horrible thing and I'm going to find either a body or Connie Walker. Um, and that will break my heart. That's how the closure will happen. That will break right. my heart. We know yeah. it ain't going to happen, but that is, you, you know what I mean? By stringing Kelly along with, we're going to go look, we're going to go look, we're going to go look. She's been trying to build her mm-hmm. crust back up. And then when you know, we know uh, Connie's not dead, but you know, it, in the event then that we find or they find that Connie has passed away, then you know, you built up all this trust to just yeah, let her down. Nah, I th- that's that's the way I took it. So I, I think I, that has more to do with Maggie and Negan because they are the ones that you know. Yeah, I understand Carol and. Kelly have this thing or they have this kind of weird truce or weird friendship, but I don't, I don't think it's false. And I don't think it's a friendship based on convenience. I think they're kind of there supporting each other. I don't doubt that. I believe they have a genuine friendship, but to me, there's ulterior motives for Carol, you know, just the point of, you know, she feels guilty. So she's trying to overcompensate, I guess you could say. Because she does feel guilty about what happened with Connie. Well, I guess at but, some point we'll figure this out. We'll see what's going on. Yeah. I don't know. At some point they need to show us Connie. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What they're waiting for. We know it. We've seen it in the we seen it in the previews. What are they waiting for? Like just let we, us know. We know she had it with Virgil. Yeah, I know, but damn, give us a little hint, a little, you know, a little sneaky peeky, you know, something, but no, they're being selfish. <laughs> Mm-mm-mm. I don't know. I'm glad we got to see Coco in this episode too. We got to see all the babies okay. today. Okay. Or yeah. They brought all the children's out. All of them, yep. But you know, the funny thing is though, so we've talked about the time span 
with how long this should have taken or how long it should have been. I feel like Coco should be bigger. I thought the same thing. Like, how is she still a baby? Yeah, she should at least be walking by now. Hell, Judith grew so, faster than that. <laughs> Girl. Judith was a super grower. <laughs> so, again, I I love this episode. I, I have been hearing some people complaining about the episodes or they don't like them and it doesn't feel like the walking dead anymore and i'm like you know one thing people what show are they watch i i don't know but people have to realize that when you grow you change you evolve and i love the way that this show is coming back in for this final season like we said it feels like many horror movies i feel the tension but I also see the character development, especially when it comes to Negan and Maggie. Like, we have to see that. Because how can you even tell this story without building upon that conflict? Right. I think people who feel like that feel like they have to have some type of reveal every episode. Oh, it was boring. This didn't happen. They should have done it this way. But I think, me personally, the way they're telling the story is the right way you don't want to give everything up because then what are you left waiting for you know what i mean for 20 something more episodes right, of, of course we all want to know what's gonna happen of course we all want to see connie of course we all want to you know see how the, you know people end up here and here and there but if we don't tell the story of how we get there then you'll be complaining like oh they just told everything right then there's no suspense there's no like you're not gonna make everybody happy but i think for the um for the most part the people who have stuck around like as long as me and you have Mm -hmm. we're not those people who complain that they were boring episodes or you know because we're in it we're invested in these people we're invested Mm -hmm. in the storylines we're invested to know you know, to make sure everybody has a happy ending, even though we clearly know that doesn't happen for everybody. We but, know that's not happening. Right. Yeah. But we're totally invested in the fantasy of it. You know what I mean? So to me, people who, who say that and like, oh, boring. Like, what episode was you watching? You know what I mean? And not only that, I think a lot of people have problems with the fact that in the last few years, the show has been kind of Negan driven Mm -hmm. because of what he did to Glenn and Abraham. They're like, oh, we don't want to see the show with him. Like, I know a lot of people who actually stopped watching the show after Glenn was killed. Mm. So I do know, and I have seen those complaints about people saying, oh, they focus on Negan too much, blah, blah, blah. And they're doing that with this season. But again, how can you tell Maggie's story without including Negan? Because at this point, their stories are intertwined. Because Negan is the direct cause of Maggie being who she is now. Mm -hmm. And I think at the same time, Maggie is a direct cause of Negan being who he is now. Because think about it. Maggie had her chance to kill Negan. And she had planned on doing it. Mm -hmm. When she saw Negan broken, she left him. Negan probably would not have done that. Right. And maybe that was something eye-opening for him to say, okay, you know what? Maybe I don't have to be this person. Second chances give people a lot of time to think and reflect on the things that they have done. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the catalyst for him trying to be not necessarily a better person, but trying not to be the same person he was. Right. Again, 
he may never get redemption from any of those people. He will never get redemption from Maggie. We know that. But I think she's the reason that he is trying to at least be a decent person because he has a second chance because of her. He should be dead. So I'm enjoying it. And then, of course, I absolutely fucking adore Jeffrey Dean Morgan anyway. So I don't mind seeing him as a Negan. He can be on my screen every day. I don't care. <laughs> but I, I do want to see some resolution to the story. But like I said, I, I think in the end, it's, it's going to come down to either him or Maggie. I don't want to say it's going to be him because that means that he would kill Maggie and we would end with that. And I know people would be fucking pissed if that happened like they would like the fuck (laughs) like they will probably be like i don't give a fuck about a rick grimes movie i don't give a fuck about whatever else y'all do if mag if negan kills maggie before the end of this show people are done done absolutely done oh yeah absolutely i don't think that would be the case if it were the other way around if maggie killed negan especially if you know i don't know i feel like it's gonna come down to that but i think also too i don't think you i think given the way that the trajectory is going for these characters i don't think it'll be an act of malice if it is maybe negan will fall get injured maybe it will come down to okay either i kill him and save the supplies that we've gotten or, you know, we save Alexandria or we save him and everything's gone to shit. I think it's going to come down to something like that where she's not, she's like I said, she's not going to ever forgive him, but I think it will get to a point where she may just have to put him out of his mercy or she may have to make a decision. Okay. You know what? I can't bring you back to Alexandria because you're going to go back to being who you are. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe probably in the next few episodes, I'll probably look at it and then I'll form my opinion as far as what might happen. But yeah, I think the horse analogy with the trust and everything, I think that's directly tied to Negan and Maggie. Hmm. Well, we don't see. We got, we got what? You know, episode three, so we got what twenty one more episodes to find yes. out. <laughs> I'm ready. Yes, though. but the next episode is going to be interesting because I think we finally get to meet Pope, and we see whoever this Reaver is that is standing with Dog. So yeah, I think we're going to get, I think we're going to get a reveal. I think that's going to be Leah, and. Daryl's gonna have another standoff with a bunch of badasses and he's gonna come out on top. So I'm I'm just ready to see that. Because you saw him in that burning building in the preview. No, that was Alexandria burning. No. What because they're still in he's still in DC, but he was surrounded by ravagers. So I think wherever he took shelter, maybe they found him because we do see that he is fighting with some of them. So and then we also see that the ravagers capture someone. I don't know if it's Daryl that they capture. But yeah, I think he's gonna have a showdown with some. My thought is, if it's Daryl's ass captured again, I'm be like, look, look now, right? You right. getting captured by right. people, right? And even if it happens again, that means Leah would have to be his Dwight. <laughs> to let oh my gosh! <laughs> or maybe Elijah is the one that's captured, and Daryl goes to rescue him. I don't know, but yeah, next episode is gonna be interesting because we finally we don't get know to meet Pope. 
Yeah. And we finally get to meet Pope and see just exactly what kind of sadistic why? motherfucker this dude is. Maybe they'll give an explanation on why he's so pissed at Maggie. Jesus. Okay, we got some interesting stuff coming up. So Yeah, we do. But for now, that's it for our show. You can find us online at www.phantomhybrid.com. We are on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Phantom Hybrid. You can listen to the Phantom Hybrid podcast on all major podcast streaming platforms. Thanks for listening. We hope you join the conversation next time.